All right, RTs, we know it's been a long and difficult year. Matt, Butler, John, and I sat together and said, how do we go into 2023 with inspiration? We want to remind RTs why they got into this profession in the first place, what keeps them going, or better yet, who keeps them going. This week's podcast is a little different. We're bringing you stories of inspiration and to remind you that you do work that matters. This is RT Sidebar. Stay tuned. Our first story is from Rodney Beavis from Florida. Rodney's voice might sound familiar to you. He was on our third episode, Voices of AARC. This was recorded at AARC. Here's Rodney. Uh, well, really, one that was kind of that always, and it really shows me the value of, of educating patients is a, a lady who's COPD and didn't really know much about her disease state until we sat down and really began to educate her on a you know different breathing techniques how to live with the the disease to um, understanding her meds how they work um, you know what are your triggers that could cause some sort of uh, an attack or an exacerbation in it and, and I'm trying to think she was probably in her mid mid 60s had two packs a day smoke or maybe more I can't remember for almost 30 plus years um, she um, had to retire early due to the COPD because she was at a point just walking from her front door to her mailbox was almost an impossible task I mean even coming into the office I mean she would have to get in a wheelchair and get rolled in she would um, come back in for some pulmonary rehab and stuff too she said she's always had this dream of wanting to do the Disney 5k um, the walk part of it not the run and so we really begin to work with her and, and as we got her down the road and really she learned more and began to do some of these breathing exercises so then she started kind of going out and doing a little bit of training I guess you would say and, and walking and getting used to it so then comes the day of the 5k race and and now I wasn't able to be there that day but I know some of the or a couple of the staff went out there to watch her so when she came across the finish line she's there her, her her family's there cheering her on so and it was this sense for her of accomplishing something that probably six months to a year ago seemed was an unattainable goal but here she is in in Disney World crossing the line um, and, and getting this medal and so down the road as she looked at it it's like I accomplished this or as and maybe an encouragement to her family member too and it really began to encourage us that what we do matters and, and we can make a, a difference in patients lives by what we do whether it's doing a 5k or if it's just hey I want to be able to spend more time with my spouse my children my grandchildren um, I don't want to be confined you know to a, a small area but I want to be out go out and live and live a happy productive life and that was the kind of the great thing about that story is is the joy in herself and even in her family was kind of awesome not only she may say we inspired her to do this but she inspired us to make sure that you know what we do matters um, you know 
and we go out there and do it to a number, we understand some aren't going to do it, but there's a good portion of people who is going to do it. And, you know, let's relish on those folks that we can make a difference to. Do what's value, brings value. And, and watching people's lives change is value. Uh, you know, kind of makes you say, this is why I got up and came in today. One of the things we actually did have in, in the department for a while was we, whoever somebody was there, they took a photo as she was crossing, um, or maybe it's either the one that you actually can get from Disney when they take a picture of you crossing. And we actually had a copy of it that we kind of kept in the department um, for a while, you know, just as kind of an inspiration and to show other patients like, hey, this person here in this picture walking a 5K was where you were at. So, you know, you need an inspiration. There she is. If you need inspiration, there she is. That was Rodney Beavis from Tampa. Our next story is actually from a nurse in Hull, UK. We had the opportunity to chat about what inspires her every day, and I'm excited for you to hear her story. This is Safina. So my name's Safina. I'm the um, sister on pediatric critical care unit at Hull Royal Infirmary in the UK. I've been nursing for um, 20 years now um, and I've done many different roles within the 20 years but um, I've found that my true passion lies in critical care nursing. The show today is on what inspires you and to help remind really what I you know it's been a couple of bad years for I think um, healthcare professionals and we just want to highlight all the good stories um, that's kept healthcare professionals motivated and uh, getting out of bed every single day to and this is our new year's episode going into 2023 so um, what inspires you what, what gets you moving every morning so yeah I agree with you it's been a tough couple of years and you know we're certainly seeing the impact of that in healthcare now um, sort of a, a rebound effect um, but for me um Personally, my inspiration feeds into each other, really. So I would say that my two daughters um, are the biggest inspiration in my life. They teach me about life every single day um, and the love that we share for each other and the emotions that we feel. It inspires me to be the best mom that I can be, but equally it inspires me to to be the best nurse that I can be and give that the highest possible level of care that I can give to the families and the children that I'm taking care of because they come as a package. It's um, very much a family unit. So yes, you're caring for the baby, but equally important is looking out for the family as well. Talking about that connection that you have with, with the families. It's making that connection that initial connection is so important because they're vital to their child's recovery process because they know their child better than anybody else um and when children come to us and they're so unwell there's so many different procedures and tests and investigations that we need to carry out and some children are not cooperative some children are so unwell um and it can be a difficult um process but if you can make that connection with the parents and get them on board um, they in turn support what you're trying to do 
um, which is absolutely massive for us because we take from small babies up to teenagers. And within that, you might have children that have got special needs. They've got learning difficulties. You've got, you know, we can take babies, toddlers, difficult teenagers. We take a lot of children that um, struggle with mental health. So it, it's so important to address um, the full family unit and not just the individual that you're caring for because it's so important to the recovery process. Do you mind sharing the story that you, that you told me earlier today? I This is a couple of weeks ago now. Um, I was caring for a small baby. Um, she was born prematurely at 30 weeks. Um, she was a twin and unfortunately one of the twins didn't make it. Um, when the baby came to me, she was 12 weeks old. Um, she came in with bronchiolitis and she was really quite unwell. Um, it was a difficult situation to begin with because we I didn't know the family. It was only when I started to talk to them. Um, I listened to their story and it was so hard because you could see the pain in their eyes um, from the loss and the pain in their eyes from the fact that the other baby was now in hospital again. Um, but also they, you could see that they were happy for the, the fact that this baby was, they still have a baby, but they were so desperate. I could see that desperation in their eyes for us to do something and to make it better. Um, and so my connection with the family was instant um, because I put myself in in the shoes of, of of the families that I'm taking care of, and I think, well, how how would it be for me? What feelings would I have if it was my child in that in that situation? And thankfully, I've never been in that situation, but I know how I would feel if it was. So that emotion that I have, I bring for my children. I bring that to work, and I think how how are, what are these families going through? What are they feeling? Um. So with this baby, we. We battled for a couple of days. Um, we was escalating treatment, and I think the doctors were being a little bit cautious because she was so tiny. Um, so I felt like I couldn't do enough. Um, and I had a day off. I'd left her not in the best position, and there were some talks about whether this baby would end up uh, being transferred out to a local hospital for intensive care. Um, and that's how I left it on the Friday. I'd asked, um, they'd asked me lots of questions um, and I tried to reassure them, but I kind of knew which way it was going. They were so thankful. So everything that was going on around them, they were just so thankful and so grateful for me spending that time with them and answering the questions and giving them that reassurance. And for me, that's absolutely massive. And it's vital to what we do because to me, that shows I've made that connection. And they trust me. Um, and that's huge because you don't get that in, in, in every situation. Um, so it reiterates to me that I'm doing my job right, basically. Um, so I'd had a day off and then um, I came back into work and the baby wasn't there. All I knew from my colleagues was that she, she'd been transferred out to an intensive care. I, rung, I was ringing around because I wanted to know how this baby was. I was ringing different hospitals that we would normally feed to, but nobody knew where this baby had gone. Um, 
it was very, very difficult because this baby was on my mind all week and this family was on my mind all week. So a week had passed and I was due back on shift and I got into bed and I was, I said a little prayer to myself because I wanted this baby to come back the next day when I was on shift. Um, and she did. <laughs> I got to work and a couple of hours into the shift, there was a phone call from the local retrieval team um, asking if we had a bed for this baby and could we um, accept her back. I was so relieved that this baby was okay um, and she was coming back well. Um, she came back to us and I just gave the mum the biggest hug ever because I felt relief for me, but I felt relief for them that their baby was was okay. She came back to me well. It was just a step down to make sure they were confident in taking her home. But that's absolutely massive that it's that anguish that you feel, you feel what they feel because, and I didn't know where this baby had gone. Um, and I was searching for her because I wanted to know she was okay and I didn't know. And so that whole week was was difficult. And, and I felt that way because I'd made that connection with the family um, and I felt their pain. Um, so yeah, we had some cuddles and it was, uh, it was a good ending um, to that difficult week, really. When you saw the mother, did you tell her like, last night yeah. I was, yeah. I, I bet she like, was like, oh my God, like, like, yeah. I said to I said to the mum, I said, I've been searching for your baby up and down the country. I've been making phone calls um, to see where you went. I said, I, you know, I'd, she was so unwell when I saw her. And then that one day I had off, she, she'd gone and nobody could tell me where she'd gone. Um, and said, on the shift, me and my colleague were arguing about who was going to take care of this baby. <laughs> this baby. She, she'd been with us for, for a week. And so everyone makes that you know that builds up that relationship um so I said I win I win this one um and the mum the face of the mother was different it was completely different she she didn't have that fear and that pain and that not knowing in her eyes anymore and and that was just it's just priceless so you mentioned when you had your eldest daughter and you went back to work everything changed absolutely um, I qualified when I was um, quite young. So I was 21 when I qualified and you just live in for yourself and getting through the day and going to work and that's it. And then when I had my daughter and I went back to work, everything changed. Like my whole outlook on life changed um, because I could then put myself in the shoes of those families. Um, and I would think what would happen if I was in this situation. And so for me, it changed for the better because it made me want to be a better nurse. It made me want to give the families 150%. It made me want to be a better mother. Um, just my entire outlook when, when, when my eldest was born and I went back to work, it was just comp completely different outlook on life. Completely. Do you sometimes have to miss uh, moments in your daughter's life because you're either working or uh, like holidays or birthdays? And how do you... So them about that. So she's she turned 13 this week actually, and I've never ever missed a birthday. So she's a they, they're massive, they're like the massive priority in my life alongside my job. Um 
so I always take an annual leave day when it's their birthdays. Um, and I've always said to my girls that we will be there for the, all of the important things. So things like sports day, things like parents evening, um, school plays, um, all of the big things. We will make sure that we are there. Sometimes we have to miss the little things like when you get invited into school to go and read to them or something. We can't always be there. But for all the major life events, I'll never, ever miss that. Like nothing else comes before that. So I would always make time and priority for that. Um, obviously, sometimes, you know, you work in shifts and you might be working on the weekend. Um, so you can't always spend that time. But my girls are really good in understanding. Like it's been the biggest part of my life. That's all they've known. Their mum being a nurse and going out and doing night shifts and coming back in and, you know, they understand it. So it's become, it's such a big part of my life. It's automatically part of their life. So they already have that understanding. I've not really ever needed to explain much. Just every now and then, the youngest still does get a little bit upset. Like when I'm going out on a night shift, etc. cetera, or, um, you know, if I can't walk her to school one morning, but we have a really good balance because there are days when I can do that, uh, but not always there for the big stuff. One of my uh, best friends, she's in the military and she was always stationed on, on bases. So she'd pick up her daughters from her daughter uh, from school and if she'd be in uniform, but that wasn't strange because everybody was in uniform, but then she yeah. got stationed to Boston and she would pick up her daughter in uniform. And that was kind of strange. There's no base like in this area. And the daughter started to realize like, oh, wait, what you do is actually like kind of different. And like she didn't understand like what it was that was her job or what the uniform signified. And it was really cool yeah. to see like the pride that she had. And I bet yeah. your daughters feel the same way, especially like post-COVID, like you're out there saving lives and they understand. Yeah, that. absolutely. They, they're really proud of what I do. And uh, there was one year I went into the class, into my daughter's class in my uniform and I took loads of nurse supplies and they all bandaged each other up and um, I took my stethoscope and they listened to each other's heartbeats and they absolutely loved that. And I loved going in, doing that and, and showing the importance of that role as well. Um, and then they all wrote me a letter. Uh, to say thank you for coming in like all the children in the class it was so lovely and you know it's those little moments for me that are just magical keeps you going right <laughs> um okay what this this is strange but what do your daughters want to be when they grow up and any chance is it a nurse because I bet you've inspired them too or is it in medicine so, just curious I mean they're so young but you yeah know, I mean the elder one, she wants to be an optometrist. Um, so that's pretty cool, actually. Um, and the younger one, I think she's a bit unsure yet, but she has lots of medical kits. <laughs> so I'm hoping that she may follow in the field. But even if they didn't, it's totally fine because, you know, I know whatever they'll do, they'll make me proud. And, you know, I want them to find their own way in life. Like I don't want to persuade them or push them to go into nursing. Like they have to do what makes them happy because I did. And I know how much joy I get from doing my job. Like I absolutely love going to work um, and I want them to feel that. So it doesn't matter if, you know, it doesn't matter to me if they don't go into nursing. 
I just want them to feel what I feel when I go to work. So when this episode is published, you can play this right in the car. Sometime you pick them up on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, is there anything you would like to tell them? I would like to tell them that they absolutely mean the world to me. They're my everything. Um, and my life would be pretty boring without them in it. Um, I want them to always aim high, um, reach for the stars and just be happy with, be happy with life. That's it for this week's RT Sidebar. Our next live recording is scheduled for 12 January at 7 p.m. Eastern Time with the legend and author Dr. Wes Ely. To all healthcare professionals out there, thank you for what you do and Happy New Year's. Let's hope 2023 is a good one. Before we go, we like to end the show with shout outs to help celebrate our care leaders. If you or someone you know has something worth celebrating, leave a shout out by completing the form in the show notes. An absolute massive shout out to all of the nurses on uh, on the Pediatric High Dependency Unit at Hull Royal. Uh, you're all amazing and you make me want to be the best manager that I can be. Also a shout out to Dr. Hilary Clonin and Dr. Remy Toko for always supporting me and for always helping me to put our patients first. You are amazing. All right, well, this is Rodney, and I just want to wish a happy holiday and a happy new year to all those RTs out there in Florida and um, continue to do the great work that you're doing. Shout out to Natalie on a future show recommendation. We appreciate you. Happy birthday to Greg LaFrance. Congrats to CEU guru Reagan Hickey on his promotion at AARC. Shout out to Dr. Jessica Whittle on publishing a new article in Frontiers Medicine. Congrats. Vapotherm does not practice medicine or provide medical services or advice. Any clinical recommendations provided herein are solely those of the speaker. Practitioners should refer to the full indications for use and operating instructions of any products referenced before use. Our lovely hosts, Matthew Pavichko, John Walsh, and Jonathan Butler are employees of Vapotherm. Vapotherm.